Bella Harja, Shaw, Jerry Adams, Arish, August Morris, Grah, Tatula Gumsa, Gowil Shibsha, Gumoy, August Kahimera, Gowil Mego, Han, Han, Why. So, as, as regular listeners to this podcast will know, I've been involved for a very long time in the campaign to protect and develop a historic and cultural quarter for the Moor Street Terrace and its uh, surroundings, its environs in Dublin. And the entire terrace of 10 to 25 Moor Street was occupied by the GPO garrison when they exited from the GPO at the end of Easter week, 1916. Now, for those of you who have been there, it's, it's basically you know, a decrepit site without any real effort to draw attention to the historic importance of what was probably one of the most, certainly the last battlefield site of the rising and of that revolutionary uh, period. So the Moor Street Preservation Trust, with the support of relatives of the 1916 uh, leaders, have developed a plan for a cultural quarter, for a historic quarter, taking in all of Moor Street and the GPO and Tom Clark's shop and the Rotunda and Parnell Street and you know, not only is that a fitting tribute to the men and women of that period, but it would be a huge boost to the inner city and a great regeneration of local community and other economic, as well as tourists, as well as educational, as well as just history. So that's the proposition. Now, on the other side of this, a developer, Hummerson's, wants to demolish much of the terrace to build uh, a multi-storey shopping mall which will dwarf the rest of O'Connell Street. So the work campaign group, the trust and lots of other people who support this project is ongoing and the trust is working with a legal team to prepare a legal challenge should on board Planala decide to grant the developer Hammerson permission to knock down any part of this historic terrace. And as part of that campaign to raise awareness and to raise funding for any potential legal challenge, the Moor Street Preservation Trust, next Monday evening in the Mansion House in Dublin, will be launching a new image of the last meeting of the provisional government following Easter week in 1916. And it's a, a new image by the renowned Irish artist, Robert Balla. And the launch of the print, and there will be a presentation made to the Lord Mayor, uh, will be at seven o'clock, as I said, on Monday evening. So if you're about uh, coming. And the limitation of 200 prints are individually signed and numbered by Robert Balla on museum quality paper and printed with archival links. 
And the scene depicted in his painting captures the last meeting that took place on number 16 Moore Street. It was there at this meeting, attended by Padraig Pearce, John McDermott, Joseph Plunkett, Thomas Clark, and the wounded James Connolly, that the decision was taken to surrender to the British forces. So all of these folks are signatories to the proclamation. But also present were volunteers Winifred Carney, Julia Grennan and Nurse Elizabeth O'Farrell, who a short time later accompanied Pierce when he presented the notice of surrender to the British. The women of 1916 are rarely given their proper place in that story. As in general women are excluded, this is changing, thankfully, excluded from history that some of them were central to creating. So Robert Ballas Print redresses this in relation to women, Republican women, and the rising, and particularly the inclusion of these three activists who played a central role in these historic events. So the new print that's entitled simply HQ Moore Street 1916 will be released on Monday for sale at either 150 euros or £150 sterling per print. And each signed print is sure to become a valuable collector's piece. It will be available from Monday evening. I have my copy ordered. So have another 120 folks. And I'm confident that these prints by Robert Ballard will go very, very, very quickly. So they can be purchased at www.rseconila.com forward slash Moore Street. I'm glad to say that over the summer I finished reading a few books. So I decided that I will try and update you them on them over the next couple of weeks. And uh, first off this week is Ghost Limb by Clara Mitchell. And this is a, an intriguing read. And Ms. Mitchell is a persuasive writer, gentle, witty and positive. She describes herself as an alternative Protestant and Ghost Limb has a subtitle, Alternative Protestants in the Spirit of 1798. And in this compelling book, a group of these citizens retrace the steps of the United Irish men and women who worked for the unity of Catholic, Protestant and dissenter over 200 years ago as a means to end the connection with England. And this group of intrepid alternative Protestants tracked across graveyards and old churches, pubs, battlefield sites in counties Down and Antrim and in Belfast back entries. And they rediscovered this part of their heritage, of our heritage, and they explore why it has been misremembered or not remembered, except by a faithful few who reject the notion of Northern Protestants as a monolithic right-wing, insular, anti-progressive, anti-Irish group. Northern Protestants are not all like that, they say, not historically and not now. Claire Mitchell also presents a vision of 1798 of a rights-based, anti-sectarian, equality-proof society 
as a democratic solution to our political problems. So I recommend this book to anyone trying to understand the dynamics of Northern society in this time of change. There's a lot of learning to be done by us all. Making space to rediscover who we are is part of that. Clara Mitchell's book has made a mighty and positive contribution to that necessary task. Ghost Limb is published by www.beyondthepale.com. Michael McGee is another author. He was one of the guests at Scribes at the Rock during Fela and Fubble over the summer as well. And he read from his new novel, Close to Home. Scribes at the Rock is a Fela highlight. Well, for me anyway, and all those others who turn up. It's a creation of Donnie Morrison's. It's now 22 years old. Scribes, that is, not Donnie. Michael McGee was joined by Michelle Gallen reading Factory Girls and Paul Murray reading The Bee Sting. More of these at another time. <coughs> Come on, let's go. <coughs> all in all, it was a great event. So well done, Donnie. And belated apologies to the woman who appeared to be annoyed at me bunking the queue to have my book signed. Mea culpa. So well done, Michael McGee and the other scribes readers. What of Close to Home? Close to Home is a an in-your-face, fast-paced graphic account of 20-year-old Sean and his mates and family living in West Belfast and marred in poverty, addiction and trauma. Sean has just returned from university in England, but he's soon sucked back into the life he temporarily had escaped from. His story is told by Michael McGee with brutal honesty. Sean knows that a better life is possible, but surviving the daily challenges of existing on the edge of a community coming out of conflict with multiple social and economic challenges threatens to drown him in excesses of drug and alcohol binges and casual, random violence. So he struggles to survive and to readjust. I read Close to Home in Two Goes. I'm undecided yet about whether Michael lets the reader fully into Sean's emotional responses to the definitive stages of his transition. And that element has stayed with me. Though I consider that to be a good thing, that I'm uncertain about this, I think, shows the impact of the book on my thinking. I read Close to Home two weeks ago, and I'm still puzzling over this part of it. So undoubtedly, Close to Home will stay with the reader. And it does convey the young man's emotional sense of his community, of family, particularly his relationship with his mother and his estranged father, and the multi-traumas endured by friends and workmates and his brother Anton. His depiction of the people of West Belfast, or that part of us which is portrayed in this novel, also rings true, including his mother's attitude to the IRA. So it's a very fine novel indeed. Close to Home is a published by Picador, and it's Megan McGee's debut novel. So when you're in that Megalishian. Finally, our mother, Annie Hunnaway, or Annie Adams, 
died in September the 4th, 1922. And her spirit lives on in the memory of our family and those who knew her. So here's a, a little poem I wrote titled, Walking with My Mother. My mother died in 1992. In 2007, I met her on the back road above Cashel and the Gore. The August sunshine lit up the scarlet fuchsia and the montbrecia and the white of her hair. As I walked behind her, she picked wildflowers from the ditches. Then at a gap in the head, she turned and smiled at me. La jasata on, she said. It's a nice day. I walked on, alone, wondering how this could be. Shinea Karja, Dori Majorish, and Shakhtan Shahogin, Gunyuri and Ta Livsha Gulyar.